It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I believe five of the additions that were made via the transfer portal could be all SEC-type players this season. Temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, the everydayers know him. It is Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com, as well as a million other places. But, Lindsey, I think when you look at the 20 members that Hugh Freeze brought in via the transfer portal, five of them have the potential to be not only starters, but all SEC type potential when you look at what they can bring in this season. Lindsay, those five are quarterback Peyton Thorne, edge rusher Jalen McLeod, center Avery Jones, left tackle Dylan Wade, and tight end Rivaldo Fairweather. You and I discussed this list at length. Let's start with the quarterback. Clearly, I think Peyton Thorne's a no-brainer here. Yeah, I mean... The fact that his down year that he had would be one of the top, what's it, we said top six seasons in Auburn quarterback history right. tells me that he absolutely has the potential. If everything goes correctly, health, uh, uh, production, scheme, and all of that has the potential to contend for, for all SEC honors, especially in a year when so many of the top dogs in the conference, not literally all those sets and Bennett did leave Georgia, but so many of the top guys have moved on. You don't have a Bryce Young in Alabama right now. You don't have a Stetson Bennett. And so there's there's openings there for him to step up and take that SEC first team job at quarterback, provided he has the type of year that Hugh Freeze thinks he can have. Yeah, yeah. And look, these don't even have to be first team, right? I mean, in this situation, you know, it could be first, second, or third team, which if you told me at the end of the year, Peyton Thorne was a top three quarterback, like, Okay, that'd be awesome. That would be huge for Auburn. It'd be huge for Hugh Freeze. And and, and I think just the storylines that would accompany that would be tremendous for this program. And so I think he has that type of potential. Will he do that? I don't know. But I think he has that type of potential because Hugh Freeze's scheme is so quarterback friendly. And that's something that we haven't seen at Auburn really since 2013 and 2014 before you know the rest of the league kind of caught up with what Gus Malzahn was doing offensively. The next is Jalen McLeod, the edge rusher from App State. Lindsay, I think the way that this defense is going to work under Ron Roberts is there's going to be a lot of panic, a lot of pandemonium, and they want to wreak havoc. He talks about havoc rate. And I just think they're going to be able to generate a lot of one-on-one type situations for Jalen McLeod, who I don't think is going to play a ton on early downs unless he's just better than we think he is, which would be great. But I just think when he comes in, He's going to be really, really fresh on third and six plus when they know that they've got to pass the football. And he can come in with one thing in mind. And that is teeing off, getting a step on the offensive tackle, and going and pursuing the quarterback. I, I think if you told me McLeod had 10 sacks at the end of the season, I, uh, in fact, if I had to pick one transfer to be an all-SEC player this season for Auburn, I, w- I would go with Jalen McLeod. I think the big thing there is he 
we've seen flashes of what he could do in the SEC. I remember the him playing Texas A&M. He has two sacks and two forced fumbles. And so it's limited, but he does have some experience against this competition level. He has the athleticism. He right. has the experience. I think he has, he's played in something like 30 career games. And given the depth you now have at that position, you brought in so many guys. We have some, some of those guys on different parts of this list. But you brought in so many guys that, like you said, you can rotate through, provided there's not some sort of catastrophic injury like you have with Eculiota. You have plenty of, of ability to spell him, use him in places where he'd be most effective. And that's the thing I kind of picked up from the Ron Roberts uh, system in the past is sure. using guys in positions where they can be maximally effective. And I feel like Jalen McLeod's going to be able to just tee off on quarterbacks all season. Yep. Okay. And then I've got Avery Jones and Dylan Wade also on this list of five guys that could make, you know, all SEC teams by the end of the year. Just follow me here for a second. And I almost put Gunnar Britton on this list too for the same reason. If Auburn has a successful running game, which I think we will, and they win a few games they're not supposed to, and they're undefeated going into Georgia, and I'm just kind of picturing game day coverage right now assuming Auburn's got a really good rushing attack, where they run a feature and specials on how Hugh Freeze flipped the offensive line like no one has in this transfer portal era so far. I just could see that being a feature. And when you talk about offensive linemen being named for accolades, it's a popularity contest. It doesn't always go to the best offensive lineman. It goes to the offensive linemen that people know the best. And I just think... I think there's a storyline and a narrative that over the course of the season could attach itself to Auburn's offensive linemen. I think I think you could see all of them kind of get a little bit of a bump due to popularity and be all SEC type players by the end of the year. Yeah, it's because offensive line statistics are so uh, vague and poorly defined and not necessarily mainstream like it is with catches. And it's a little and arbitrary. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. There, that's the best way to describe. Thank you. Uh, because of that, like you said, it is going to come down to how much exposure they get. And so, one, I think Cole Kublik, if you could keep doing those little Twitter videos where you highlight great blocks, that'd be They're great. great. That's yeah. going to help these guys. I can see uh, Dylan Wade and Gunnar Britton on there quite a few times for just burying a safety or something like that. Hope so. Uh, but then Avery Jones, I think as Peyton Thorne does, Avery Jones is going to get recognized. You're going to see those shots of the two of them you know, Jones, but Thorne lined up behind Jones to take a snap. You're going to see those shots start to be a thing Good if point. Peyton Thorne comes out hot because it's always the quarterback in the center. And the easy story there for them is they both transferred in from different schools, different parts of the country, but now they're like best friends and they're going to be at each other's weddings and all that kind of stuff. So wow. yeah. I could absolutely see it being uh, being driven on media, but I see how you can create that media. Also, guys, a great way to get more name recognition, Locked on Auburn. You should come on here. It's great. Ooh, all right. All right. Yeah. And then uh, the last one is Rivaldo Fairweather. Obviously, the dynamic tight end. And I just think in who frees a system, he has the potential he has the potential to have the success that Evan Ingram did at Ole Miss, right? I mean, we, we've made that comparison over and over and over again. Evan Ingram was fantastic with Hugh Freeze when he was at Ole Miss. Uh, they were there together. So I, I think that I think the tie there is pretty clear, right? And also, I, I don't know. I think there's going to be questions and some growing pains and some figuring things out with this receiving core. Um, and I think Rivaldo Fairweather has a chance to be kind of a constant in this, uh, you know, a safety blanket 
uh, but also kind of using creative ways with Hugh Freeze at the helm. And so uh, I, I think Rivaldo Fairweather, he's already won over a bunch of Auburn fans without even playing a snap, but he's certainly, Lindsay, he certainly passes the eye test. I think at the end of this season, you have the potential for people to be talking about the dynamic tight end duo, uh, duo in the SEC of Brock Bowers and Rivaldo Fairweather. We've seen wow. Bowers as a little bit of a smaller tight end. I want to say he's like 225 or 230 or so, but how Georgia moves him around a lot. Uh, obviously, he's catching tons of passes, but he can he can block well, all that kind of stuff. I think you'll see you have a potential to see Rivaldo Fairweather in that same conversation for the reasons you mentioned, because of the wide receiver instability and the fact that he's going to be right there. And something that quarterbacks who aren't aren't as mobile as a, a standard running quarterback. Now that Peyton Thorne's not mobile, but uh, for guys that like to hang in the pocket and deliver the passes, the tight end's a very useful safety valve for them. And so, and so, Rivaldo Fairweather, big part of the offense. Like you said, Hugh Freeze has a big has a big uh, history with guys like this. I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, I'm excited as well. All right, so I broke all of these down into you know five starters that also have all SEC potential. But the other 15, Lindsay, I have nine ranked in a starter slash solid SEC player bracket then i've got four that are i've got them labeled as depth piece with potential and i've got two with just kind of depth pieces for their entirety of their career at auburn and i think some of the folks that i don't have as starters is going to go against the grain a little bit with what some folks have in their depth charts and so we'll discuss in just a moment right here on locked on auburn today's show brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is the best place to wager on all of your sports action. You can head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on today to check out all the different props, odds, and lines as ever before. I'm sure right now you want to run over and place your bets on the Atlanta Braves, which were exceptional over the weekend. Lindsay's rocking the Atlanta Braves hat. We're going to a game this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. But yes, no, it doesn't matter what the line is. That's where I'm going. Braves to win the World Series. Let's go. Once again, head over to uh, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You can get $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just check out FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Lindsey Crosby, our guest, as he is every single Monday the nine players that I have listed as a starter slash solid SEC player, Lindsey, Shane Hooks, Jair Shorter, the receivers, Larry Nixon, the linebacker from North Texas, Caleb Burton, the other wide receiver, he's from Ohio State, Austin Keyes, the linebacker from Ole Miss, Justin Rogers, the defensive tackle from Kentucky, Messiah Nasili Kite from Maryland, Gunnar Britton, the tackle from Western Kentucky, we mentioned him with the first group. He's probably the one that I was, I, I almost put him as a all SEC potential guy, and I probably should have. Then Elijah McAllister, because he's already been a solid SEC player elsewhere. 
surely the better situation Lobber will help him. So that one, that one is certainly a no brainer. So any of those specifically stand out to you, Lindsay, before we kind of talk about some of the guys that maybe, um, maybe aren't on the starter list that I think some people may disagree with. So Gunnar Britton is the one that we already mentioned him, but again, has the best potential to transcend this to the next level. I do think, of those wide receivers we listed, one of them has the potential to pop. I don't know who it's going to be. And obviously, Cam Brown's in that room as well. Sure. But you bring in a bunch of guys. To me, Shane Hooks feels like a guy that has the most experience. He's the graduate transfer from uh, from, from from Jackson State. Right. So lots of experience. How quick is the transition to the SEC? That's the big question. If he can get over the learning curve rather quickly and understand the different level of coverage he's going to face, he has the potential, I think, to do a lot in this offense. But I predict one of those wide receivers could bump up into the All-SEC potential realm if they can get the connection with Peyton Thorne down quickly and start making an impact in games sooner rather than later. Other than that, I like the list. I like the nine there. I find it interesting about one of the guys you didn't have who's in the next section. Yeah, we'll discuss that in a second for sure. But yeah, I I'm with you. I think either hooks or shorter pop. I don't know if they both are going to be like 400-ish yard guys. I feel like one of them is going to push 1,000 and the other one's going to stay at around 400 or so. Like I think there's going to be a clear separation between the two. If, if, I, if I'm told like, okay, you know, somebody comes from the future and like both these guys stay healthy, I'm like, it's probably shorter, right? It's probably Jair shorter, but that's kind of the biggest question about him is, is his leg okay? And then, you know, the defensive line guys like Elijah McAllister, not, not Elijah McAllister, Messiah um, Nasili Kite, like not going to be a technical starter. I don't think Elijah McAllister may not be a technical starter either. We'll see. We'll see what happens with him. I think he will be, but he may not be. But both those guys are going to play so much. I mean, they're going to be solid, solid SEC players. Mm -hmm. um, and then Justin Rogers um, should start at the nose. Um, we'll see. There's a chance that Jason starts at the nose and then they scoot him over and they both play at the same time. But um, once again, all these defensive linemen, they're going to play uh, a good bit. And then Austin Keys, he could be the guy at linebacker. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him at linebacker. I will add, Lindsey, I almost put Caleb Burton as a depth piece with potential to start down the road. I almost moved him down one. But I just think I just think Hugh Freeze is going to try so many dudes at wide receiver. And if he yeah. comes in and competes, you know, he's he's going to play. Yeah, it's it's... Wide receiver is the biggest unknown, right? You have a lot of, you brought in a lot yes. of talent, a lot of experience in, in Shorter and, and Hooks and some of these other guys. And Shorter, like you said earlier, feels like because, I mean, look at 27.2 yards per catch last year. Like he has mm -hmm. the ability to put up stats in a hurry. It's just which one of these guys is going to catch. On the defensive line, I feel like having these guys in this grouping is right simply because none of them necessarily we think their biggest skill is going to be racking up gaudy sack numbers and that's what gets you the all sec recognition you know you don't you don't often right. see a nose tackle who has you know three sacks on the year as an all sec defensive lineman and so i it makes sense unless that, you go to media days oh yeah yeah unless you go to media days and you kind of already have some influence with the voting it's it's the popularity contest name recognition thing again and, right. and so i absolutely think Having them as solid SEC player is correct. One of those guys will outperform this listing, but probably not into the all SEC potential conversation. So that that makes right. sense. But can we go ahead and talk about the Brian Batie placement now? 
Okay. Yeah. Let me let me touch on. Uh, all right. These are depth pieces with potentials. What I have: Jaden Muskrat, Brian Betty, Nick Mardner, and Demario Tolan. All right. Let me have it. Okay. So I understand the idea of Brian Betty is not a starter. Uh, he is the backup to you know, and and a depth piece. But I also think coming off of an All-American season in 2021 as a kick returner, and if mm-hmm. he's going to be the guy who's going to be the primary returner for Auburn, as well as has this game-breaking speed, can do more in the past game than I think than we're expecting. Uh, again, another safety valve kind of guy. Yeah. And that game-breaking speed, it really feels like if everything breaks correctly, he can be in that solid SEC player conversation as well. I think he's the one that, may, I don't know if it's, if it's stature, or if it's the lower competition level, but we're all kind of assuming, well, he's not going to do that in the SEC. And I think that we might be surprised by what Brian Batiste is able to do on the football field. Yeah, and I guess I should have added the caveat, like this is offense and defense, not returning, right? I mean, because he could be all SEC in the return game. Sure. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be as productive in the return game as he was last year at USF, transitioning to the SEC. I just don't think that it's going to be the same thing. I'm not saying he's going to be bad at it. I think right. he'll be good at it. Um, as far as his role on offense, here's why I put him where it is. Because at some point, you've got to pick a guy on this team. Like All these guys can't all pop. And at a, at a certain point, you've got to pick, like, okay, do I think Shane Hooks or Jair Shorter are going to pop in the passing game more than Brian Batty? And uh, Yes. And like I think Demario Austin, or Demario Austin is ahead of him. Um, I think Jarquez Hunter will play more than him. And I think Jeremiah Cobb is going to be more than him. I, I just do when it's by the end of the season on offense, I think that's where it's all going to come down to because I was watching Jeremiah Cobb stuff the other day, just because that's what we do. And it's like, you just can't not play this kid. You can't, I don't, I don't care that he missed spring. You can't not play this kid. And look, we saw bad T take a picture of his foot. Shortly after a day, you know, saying that he had, you know, he had to get it looked at, and uh, um, I think he got surgery on it. I'm not, I'm not positive on that, but like, what does that do, right? Like, feet are important for for a guy that you know changes direction quickly. You know, that's his role. So but we just don't know. We just don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, that's a factor. It sucks, but that is a factor in this. Good point. And I guess I, I wasn't necessarily thinking about how many guys you had coming into the room as far as Jeremiah Cobb and things like that. It still, it still feels like. He's going to be one of the first options rolled out after Jarquez Hunter simply because of uh, the veteran, the the whole being a veteran thing. But sure. it, that is a big unknown as well for us is what's going to happen behind Jarquez Hunter. So I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and let me know in the comments, you know, which of these guys do you think will win their respective position battles and I should have higher up on the list. But I think Jaden Muskrat is a guy that some people think is going to start talking with Ferg on the Friday show. He's higher up on Muskrat. I think the staff really likes Tate Johnson. I think they really like Connor Liu, and I think they really like Jeremiah Wright. And so I'm curious to see what that battle looks like. Is Jaden Muskrat going to be a starter at guard? I don't know. Um, obviously, he uh, he trans- he's an offensive tackle from Tulsa. Can he scoot in to play guard in the SEC? I think the answer to that is maybe, Lindsay. I think it's maybe. And then Demario Tolan... He was, uh, I mean, he was kind of a depth defensive gadget guy for LSU, extremely athletic, but we didn't really hear anything about him in spring. And I just don't think it's a this year kind of guy for DeMario Tolan. I think 
He's going to be a 2024 starter when it's all said and done. And then Nick Mardner, I just, they continue to add outside receivers after him. Like, I just think that's got to be somewhat concerning. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yes, he's tall. He's six, six, but at a certain point, like you have to have the athleticism and everything else to do uh, what they're looking for you to do. And the fact that he, he committed, he came here, they had a couple practices and they went out and got three more guys. Tells me they don't maybe necessarily think that he's got what it takes. He reminds me a lot of a Landon King, a guy that uh, it's it's a little bit slower for a wide receiver. So King was just put it tied in for a while, right? Um, and and that's a lazy comparison, I know, because we're both tall. But it just nothing stands out to me as a yeah. No, Nick Mardner's going to destroy in twenty twenty three. So I think death piece with potential is right. And then you've got two more guys that are just depth pieces in general. Yep, the last two uh, for folks counting. They're like, you're only at 18. Steven Sings, the defensive end slash edge guy from Liberty. I've got him as a depth piece. And then Lawrence Johnson, the defensive tackle from Purdue. I've got both those guys as depth pieces. Some of that has to do with who's in front of them. Some of that has to do with, you know, with Lawrence Johnson, just kind of a quiet spring. Um, but, I mean, I think you're going to play a lot of guys on the defensive front. I still think he'll play. This isn't me saying they're bad. I just, I just don't think they're going to start and I think they're going to be kind of, you know, three deep kind of guys that play every now and then. And so Sings especially just because is I mean, there's not a whole lot of dudes at that position group. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it is what it is. At this point, your roster is your roster, and you're gonna rotate plenty of guys through. Again, whoever takes the playtime and runs with it, that's who's gonna get the majority of the snaps going forward. But right. they've all got a chance. It's just so many guys in front of them with talent, what's gonna happen? Yep. All right. Is there another false narrative that we're starting to see a little bit in the national media? I think so. Lindsay, we'll share our thoughts in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. When it- it's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. I encourage you to join the Locked Out Auburn Discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. Friend of the program, J.D. Piquel. I think he's very good at what he does. Of course, he is with On Three, part of their national media team, and what on three does is what a lot of sites do. We do this at Auburn Daily as well. Uh, you aggregate podcast content into article form. And another writer at On Three named Justin Rudolph aggregated some of um, Piquel's podcast. And here's a quote that he said: "Well, first off, he predicted Auburn to go six and six, Lindsay, and I'm okay with that." But the main reasoning, I don't think, makes a whole lot of sense. Here's a quote from Piquel. The talent level is there, but my concern is that the talent level being improved is great, but you can still have a defense that allowed over 180 yards rushing per game last year. You can't do that in the SEC and expect it to be successful. You just can't do it. So... I've got a few things with that. Let's start. Let, let's talk about the actual roster itself first. We just spent the first 20 minutes of this show talking about how many new starters there are 
on this roster. And let's just go through it really quickly. This is front seven defensive guys, so either defensive linemen or linebackers that we project to be starters, Lindsay. Not just additions to the roster, but we think they will be starters or play substantial time. Jalen McLeod, Larry Nixon, Austin Keys, Justin Rogers, Messiah Nasili Kite, and Elijah McAllister. Like those are guys that we think are either going to start or be like you know solid pieces to this defense from a rotation standpoint. But was that six, six or that was, seven? That was six. That was six. Six. There we go. Six. So, yeah. Then then you kind of look at guys that are also going to come in that we think the world of, like Keldrick Falk, who once again. I don't know if he'll start the year. I think he'll be a starter by the end of the season. I mean, Keldrick Falk is definitely going to make your defense better. And so I, I just don't know if that argument holds a ton of water. I mean, you lose Derek Hall, which was very good, but let's not act like he was his great rush defender, right? Um, so part of it's the roster. Mm-hmm. Part of it's the scheme. The entire scheme is gone. The coaching staff is flipped. I mean, Zach Gethridge is the only defensive coach that's remaining from last year, and he's not stopping the run, right? He, he's worried about uh, defensive backs. And so that's certainly an element of for that where I'm like, I don't know if that really makes sense. And then also, like, let's don't pretend that the defense was put in a situation to succeed a year ago with how many three and outs the offense faced over and over and over and over again. Of course, they ran the ball at them over and over and over again because they were exhausted and the last coaching staff didn't rotate, dude. So I I just, I haven't really felt like that was an issue. Um, and so th- that that quote from Bikel kind of, I thought it was curious to me. Yeah, it it when I'm thinking about things that went wrong with Auburn last year, the first thing I'm thinking of <laughs> is not the defense giving up too many rushing yards. That's not the first concern that I have. Um, it's it's like you said. I mean, if it's it's the fourth quarter and you're down by 20, they're just going to keep running the ball until you stop them. And because uh, Potato Man liked to run gassers on Fridays and then not rotate anybody, your defensive tackle who's at his 85th snap of the game is not that effective in the fourth quarter. Uh, I absolutely think that the offense being better is going to make things easier on the defense. Are are we going to have individual games where the offense struggles and the defense has to take a lot of snaps? Yes. You've added a lot of players into this, a lot of starters. You have a scheme that should be much better. And you're in a scenario where uh like where you're you're taking away what other teams should be able to do well, which is pass. And mm-hmm. hopefully you're able to get them in a situation where they're behind and they're trying to pass to catch up. Like part of the reason Auburn had solved so many run plays was because they were losing. They were getting beat and they were getting beat by everybody. Missouri was beating them. Like everybody was doing it. And so it just normal, normal offensive regression to the mean means that you're not going to see as many run plays as normal. Never mind the fact you legitimately got better on offense. Yeah, that's right. I Sorry. mean, you, you got better on both sides of the ball. So I, I, I just, I think if you're saying Auburn goes six and six, I think the most likely argument is the quarterback situation doesn't get better and the receivers stink. And there's just nobody adjusts to Hugh Freeze's offense. Like, I think that is the most likely scenario for Auburn going six and six, yeah, which could it, happen. Like, I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I don't think six and six is an option. I think seven and five, eight and four is where, where we're going to be, but. 
if you're gonna make the case the Auburn goes six and six, I think that's the I think that's the lane you need to be in. Yeah, it's absolutely not because the defense gave up too many yards last year. Um, it's this to me, and I I know we kind of dunk on national media some on the show, and that's uh, coming from a person who in a lot of places is considered to be national media. Um, this feels like looking at box scores from last year to try to explain what went wrong. It's not the reality of what we actually saw. Mm-hmm. And so an outside observer, this makes a lot of sense. If you're somebody in Clemson, if you're somebody for ESPN in Connecticut, and you're you're like, that makes sense. Yeah. But an Auburn fan, a member of the Auburn family, knows that that wasn't the issue last year and that the guys we've brought in means that's not going to be the primary issue this year. Right. That's right. All right, Lindsay, how can people check out everything you've got going on, brother? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. It's the hub for everything, whether it's minor league baseball, locked in movie prospects, whether it's professional baseball, bravestoday.com, or our Auburn Tigers, auburndaily.com. Yep, you can find my written work at auburndaily.com, bravestoday.com as well. Light both of us up on Twitter or in the Locked at Auburn Discord if we've got folks uh, ranked incorrectly as far as those different categories, if you think. Some of those guys are definitely going to start or, you know, some guys that we said are going to be starters that should be all SEC potential. Let us know. We'd love to interact with you. Until then, we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.